experience? Yes, this is the last one. And I don't know where that suggestion keeps coming from. I think there are all these people that thought they were going to come in today and there was going to be this big cage and Joseph and I were just going to duke it out, which would have been hilariously fun. Uh, but then it's our pastor's back, so we had to mature it up just a little bit. And uh, we just couldn't work that out for you. Sorry. But the next time he's out of town, it's on. Now, seriously, so we've been talking about this concept, wrestling is real, for the last few weeks, and about how we all wrestle with different things, problems, situations in our life. And, and I understand that. I'm, I'm there, too. And we look at this last few weeks where we've been in Genesis chapter 32, talking about this guy named Jacob. And to recap just a little bit, Jacob uh, has his brother named Esau, and he, like, totally cheats him. He cheats him out of his birthright. He's a scoundrel. He does all these, these, these terrible things. And then it goes on to where he realizes, man, I'm in trouble. I've done all these bad things, and my brother specifically is probably going to come kill me. But he's got this foundation in the Lord, so he knows what to do next. He starts to pray, and God literally, in the form of a man, comes down and wrestles with him. And then wrestle all night long. And at the end of that, just holding on, holding on, Jacob realizes, man, I'm not, I'm not getting anywhere I've got to stop this. So for the last month or two, praying through, working through this concept has been a lot of fun. But we knew it would have to come to an end. And here's this passage in Genesis 33 where we see the forgiveness. We see the end of, of this part of the story. And I'm going to be honest with you. When I looked at this starting weeks ago, I had a little bit of a problem with this because for forgiveness can be a bit of a giant. So in the, the theme of the wrestling, I don't know how this happened. It just kept coming to my mind over and over. One of my favorite wrestlers, put this guy up on the screen. I love this guy. This guy is absolutely hilarious. Andre. Anybody remember Andre the Giant? Man, that was the best Saturday morning when Andre the Giant was on TV. And when I think about forgiveness and dealing with that, that's like a giant. Now, I realize Esau, Esau wasn't, per se, a giant. But you know what? Facing your fears, facing your, your issues can be very much like that. Andre the Giant was hilarious. Obviously, not just was he a, a, a big guy. He was, he, he was like, they called him the eighth wonder of the world. He was a WWF champ. He was a WWF tag team champ. Those, those were by far my favorite. Andre the Giant was an actor. He was in movies, and he couldn't act. He just had that big, thick accent, and he comes on the screen and is like, I'll be the Brute Squad. And everybody just like, yeah, that's great. He was hilarious. And when we look at our problems, you know, they're not so funny sometimes, are they? They're like real situations. And I don't know about where you are in your world, life, whatever you're dealing with, that you either need to let go or forgive or whatever. But if you've got a Bible, open with me to the book of Genesis. It's the very, very beginning. Verse 33. And let's pray. Father God in heaven. I love you. Thank you so much for all the things we've already seen and heard today that are of you, Lord. I pray that we pause for just a minute and focus on not so much me and Joseph, but on you and your word and, and what you would have us learn today. In Christ Jesus' name, I pray these things. Amen. So in Genesis ch uh, chapter 33, two things we want to get out today. First one, Jacob wrestles with asking forgiveness. And we're tacking today. Genesis chapter 33, verses says, Jacob looked up, and there was Esau coming with his 400 men. So he divided the children among Leah, Rachel, and the two female servants. He put the female servants and their children in front, 
Leah and her children next, and Rachel and Joseph in the rear. He himself went on ahead and bowed down to the ground seven times as he approached his brother. Folks, you know, there are four words in the English modern language that are some of the most powerful words that a person can ever say. You see, not only are these four words so powerful, but they can also be some of the toughest words that a person could speak. You see, a lot of people say, eh, words are empty, they're meaningless and shallow, they really don't mean much. But time and time and time again, situation after situation, people have refused and could not bring themselves to utter these four words. The four words that I'm referencing this morning are this. Will you forgive me? You see, families have been divided, churches have split, nations have went to war because people, time and time again, have refused to utter the simple word that would wipe away everything. Will you forgive me? So here as we pick up in Jacob's life, you see, Jacob is about to ask for forgiveness from his brother Esau. Now, during this time, everything in Jacob's life finally started to click. And just like we just heard, Jacob was fresh off an all-night wrestling match with God, okay? God himself. And when he stepped out of that wrestling match, something in Jacob had changed. Because, you see, Jacob had had an encounter with God Almighty himself. And you see, Jacob's mind had changed, and he had begun to transform into a man, a new man. So much so that God said, Jacob, I'm going to change your name. That will no longer be your name. You will now be called Israel because you are going to be one of the fathers of my chosen and holy nation. And this new name, it's going to represent a new start in your life. So Jacob got a name change. Not only that, but Jacob also took on a new identity. In week one, we talked about how he was wearing a face, a fake identity to get something that he wanted to, to gain that really wasn't his to get. And he wanted to deceive. But you see, the moment Jacob met with God, all that began to change. Because before, God and Jacob were walking separate. But now they were walking hand in hand in unison. And they were walking together. And so Jacob was on this journey of transformation. And he was almost to the end. But God said, Jacob, there's one step left in the equation. Before you can take that last step of maturity, there's just one more thing that has to happen. He said, Jacob, you need to go reconcile your relationship with your brother, Esau. This had to happen for Jacob to take the last step. And you see, Jacob, if you remember, he had left on bad terms. Okay, The last time he saw his parents... And Esau, not only had he stolen his birthright, but he also stole his blessing. And because of what he did, it left him on the run for 20 years. So if you're just Jacob for a minute, and you're about to ask for forgiveness for your brother who you hadn't seen in so long. To be honest with you, you're not sure what Esau's reaction is going to be. For all you know, Esau might kill you at the first chance he gets. Why? Because you see, Esau, he didn't live a blessed life. Jacob stole his blessing, so he had been living away from the blessing of God. And you see, it's one thing for a person to be blessed on a mountaintop, but it's another thing for a person to 
carry the blessing into the valley. You see, for, in order for this to happen, Jacob fully had to trust God. Folks, some of you today have people in your lives that you have wronged. The relationship is fractured. You need to ask for forgiveness. It may look different for everybody. Maybe it's a father or a mother or a husband or an ex-husband or son or a daughter. Maybe it happened when you were a child and you wronged somebody and you've never gone to them and said, man, I'm sorry. Maybe it happened last week with your boss or a person at work. But at some point in life, each of us have had a time where we have wronged somebody. We have harmed them. And if you don't fix it, it will begin to fester and fester, and the relationship will stay fractured. You know, I don't know what it is that makes it so hard for us as humans just to say the simple words, I'm sorry. You know, if we would just suck up our pride and say I'm sorry, a lot of times that could wipe all of our problems away, but we just can't do it. I don't know what, why we have such a hard time with that. Actually, I do know, because you see, the Apostle Paul, he has quite the fascination with Jacob and Esau. See, Paul was a New Testament writer, and Jacob and Esau lived in the Old Testament. But several times in Paul's epistles, he references Jacob and Esau. He, he references them multiple times in the book of Romans. And I was driving in my car the other day, and I was listening to my audio Bible, trying to think of what text I wanted to put in this. And then this just out of nowhere hit me. It was the first verse I heard. Romans 8, chapter 4. It says, Do not live according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life, and don't miss this, peace. The mind is governed by the flesh and is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. And then just four chapters later in Romans 12, verse 18, he says this. He says, friends, family, do everything possible on your part to live in peace with everybody. Never taking revenge, my friends, but instead let God's anger do it. Folks, you see, when you allow relationships to stay broken, and you refuse to ask for forgiveness, you are living in the flesh. You see, one of the biggest things that prevents reconciliation from happening is this little thing that each of us have that we'd like to call pride. Your pride is that little voice in your mind that says something like, you don't have to say you're sorry, you didn't do anything wrong. You don't have any responsibility in this problem. This whole situation is started because of the other person. And our pride lies to us. And it makes us think that we're better than we really are. And it makes us think that we're not culpable in the situation. Now, some of you may be saying, man, Joseph, what you're talking about, that's kind of like a little harsh. Like, am I not even allowed to get mad? Like, are, are fights not allowed to happen? And God's like, look, I get it. Fights are going to happen. All that stuff is going to take place. But at the end of the day, make sure the relationship is fractured. And even if you get in an argument, make sure it always ends in peace. Because at the end of the day, somebody in the room's got to be the adult saying, okay, I'll be the mature one. And I know we've been having this beef, we've been squabbling for some time now, but you know what? I'm going to be the bigger person, and I'm going to make that first move. 
Paul says, do everything that you can to bring peace. Because this reconciliation thing, it's not just a human thing. It's a spiritual thing, okay? Only God can heal a fractured and broken relationship. But God says somebody's got to make the first move. And it's got to start somewhere. So Jacob was at a point in his life, he's like, brother... He's like, I'm done, man. I don't care about superiority anymore. I don't care about who's the oldest or any of that. At the end of the day, all I care about is I want my brother back. He says, brother, if I got to bow down on my knees, not once, not twice, but seven times, so be it. You see, this is a big deal because when Isaac gave Jacob the blessing, that meant that Esau was going to be the one who was supposed to bow down to him. And Jacob was going to be the superior one. And Jacob's like, dude, I've been on the run for 20 years. I could care less about any of that anymore. Brother, I'm sorry. See, the life Jacob lived, he was wounded. You see, Jacob finally got it. See, Jacob had scars to show his transformation. And every day for the rest of Jacob's life, when he would wake up, he would begin to walk with a limp as a reminder of that night. And just imagine the first time he came face to face with Esau, and Esau saw him limping. He said, brother, why are you limping? Has somebody wronged you? Do we need to take care of business? And Jacob said, no, no, brother. Not this one. This one's on me. See this limp that I have? This scar right here on my hip. It hurt. Oh, it hurt. Hurt so bad. You see, the pain was worth it. And because of this limp, every day, this limp will serve as a reminder to never pull away from God's will. This limp serves as a reminder that God will always be there for me, even when I'm not there for Him. That God cares for me, and His ways are best, and His thoughts are best. So though this limp may be some pain, it's worth every bit of pain. Folks, some of you carry scars today. Some of them on your own doing. Maybe you created them. Or maybe somebody's wronged you. I'd say there's a good chance a lot of that's happened. But you see, God has given you your scars for a purpose. And my challenge to you today is to not make your scars Meaningless. God wants your scars to be a constant reminder that God loves you. He wants what's best for you. He cares for you. And when you leave him, he will never leave you. So today, as we continue in this sermon, I challenge you, and I pray that right now, that there's somebody that you have wronged and it's on you, I pray that God will put that person on your mind right now. And then before the sun goes down, you would fix it. You'd say, you know what? I'm not leaving this relationship fractured anymore. It's caused enough damage within me, and it's caused enough damage within the person. And I pray that today, you might be the bigger person. You're going to say, hey, you know what? All that long old jumbo before, nope, I was wrong. I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? Folks, may we be like Jacob, limping toward reconciliation. Because if Jesus himself can limp the cross on his back to a hill called Calvary, surely we can limp.
It's our second point this morning. Is that Esau wrestles with giving forgiveness. So check out verse 4. This is where we actually see the transition. Genesis chapter 33, verse 4. But Esau ran to meet Jacob and embraced him. He threw his arms around his neck and kissed him, and they wept. Then Esau looked up and saw the women and the children. Who are these with you? He asked. And Jacob answered, They are the children God has graciously given your servant. You know, sibling rivalry is hard. I, I, I get that. I don't have a brother, but I do have a sister. And if you were to compare the two, Esau and Jacob, I am very much Jacob in the story between me and my sister Becky. Anytime there's been a problem in our relationship, I'm the one that's called it. Y'all remember those Jack Link commercials, Missing with Sasquatch? Y'all remember that? I, I'm not calling my sister Sasquatch. Maybe that's not what I should have said. Check that out, please. I did not call my sister Sasquatch. Anyways, I'm the one that was always poking the problems, right? I've told this with our students a couple of times. I love this. Uh, when we were little kids, uh, I would mess with my sister, especially around bedtime, and her bedroom was right beside our bathroom, right? Her bedroom was right beside our bathroom. And pretty much every night, uh, she was terrified of the dark. So she would go to the bathroom, she'd brush her teeth, whatever, and then she'd come and she'd flip off her light, and she'd like scurry to the bed as fast as she could. Well, one night, I was, I don't know, 10, 11, 12, whatever, she was four years older than that, six, seven, eight, somewhere there. I thought it would be funny to go into her bedroom while she was brushing her teeth and hide under the bed, right? So the plan was she was going to go turn off the light, scurry to the bed, and right before she got there, I would reach out and grab her leg. See, why go, see now the early service back is there. So that was the plan. I'm going to reach out and grab her. There would be screaming. I would run out of the room, get in my bed, tell my parents, I don't know what she's talking about. And it sounded like a great idea, right? So here's the thing. I'm laying in the bed. She comes to the flash of running. I reached out and grabbed her, but it wasn't the squeal I was expecting. It was more of a, oh. I'm like, oh, no, I killed my sister. But needless to say, the screaming and yelling happened, and so did Wayne Donna came in the room, and I don't remember much after that. Anyways, so my wife, I'm sitting on the couch yesterday, and um, 
And all of a sudden, she's like, she's like, yeah, something like that. She was so excited. I'm like, what? I thought we won the lottery. Yay. And I looked over, and this is what she said. She goes, Nick Martinez is out for 10 days. <laughs> you know, stop it. Stop it. And she's so excited because in her mind, Charlie is now playing in Nick's spot, and we've won the World Series. Right? <laughs> and I'm mean, able out of that. But the reality is we're all kind of like that. We all have these pent-up emotions, issues, whatever, that go on in our mind. And listen to what Esau's at the same place. Listen, Esau had a choice. He could kill Jacob. Now, I don't know, military, I don't know their background, but my gut says Esau had some anger, and for whatever reason, he chose not to kill his brother. Now, let's think about this. Now, in today's society, killing your brother would be very, very bizarre. But historically, to kill a father, to kill a brother, to kill a cousin, an uncle, whatever, to gain power because they, they've wronged you somehow, that happened. It happened all the time. So if we had read in Scripture that, yeah, Esau comes along and kills Jacob, we'd be like, yeah, okay, that, 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 that makes sense. That happened. But he didn't do that. Esau forgave him on the spot, and he didn't hold it over his head. So three things that I find absolutely, absolutely fabulous here. Three things why forgiveness matters. The first of all, it gives you peace. Forgiveness gives you peace. Listen to this. He threw his arms around his neck and he kissed him. Listen to this. And they wept. Can you imagine the load that this lets off? It fact, both brothers to have all that anxiety, all that emotion, so that when they do see each other, when they do come back together, that they literally weep over it. We've heard this concept, let go and let God. You know, that's not just a bumper sticker. That's real change. That changes everything. But there's more to the story than that. Not only does forgiveness give you peace, the second one is forgiveness gives you strength. Does that make sense because if you don't have that forgiveness and you live that kind of emotion and, and you don't do anything about it, there's nowhere else you can go. Does that make sense? There's nothing else that you can do. But when you've, when you've actually had forgiveness and you have that peace about you, now there's a foundation where you can take it to the next level. Does that make sense? In fact, look at this. Esau asked, who are these with you? So we see this situation where it's not just like, hey, man, sorry I took your birthright. That's all right. No, it's not that. It's genuine forgiveness, and as a result, Esau, Esau wants to know what's next. Esau wants to see what's going on in Jacob's life and be a part of that. And that's when change happens. Not only do you find the peace, but you can build on the strength. But the third, I think, is the most important. Why forgiveness matters? Third, because Jesus said so. You want to tweet something? Tweet that. Why forgiveness matters? Because Jesus said so. A few weeks ago, Dennis did the sermon series on prayer. It was pretty smart. And there's one passage. Look at this up on the screen. It's in Matthew 6. And I hope that you've all seen or heard this many, many times before. Jesus literally says, hey, listen, this is how you should pray. And listen to this. He said, uh, this is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. And this is this part right here. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. He goes on, it is not a temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And we, we look at this passage of scripture, and you know what? 
in our own world, we, we read this and we get this and we understand this, but I'm not so sure that we really dig into it. When we look at this, this part about people that are wrong us, listen to this one more time. Uh, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Now, I realize that different translations of the Bible word this just a little bit differently, but they all say the same thing. And it's fascinating because it's past tense. As we also have forgiven our debtors. Do you understand that? So Jesus is literally saying, hey, listen, forgiveness isn't a good idea. Forgiveness is something you, you should think about. No, he's not saying that. He thinks so strongly that he just assumes, hey, listen, that's something you should have already done. You get that? That's how much it matters. But here's the problem. We dig into this passage, and we stop right there, don't we? But if we keep going in verse 9, listen to what it says. This is powerful. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sin, your Father will not forgive your sins. <coughs> wow. That's heavy. Jesus isn't just saying, hey, listen, this forgiveness thing is kind of <coughs> He's telling you, do this. So when we reflect back on Jacob and his situation, we can all kind of put ourselves into the story. But at the end of the day, forgiveness is not optional. So I'm going to ask Joseph to come up uh, here with me for the next few minutes. Because this story or this event has so many applications and so many implications. I just wanted to take a, a few minutes and kind of go over a few things to, to make it as practical as possible so that we can work, uh, so we can walk out of here and, and be changed, to be, to be more like Christ. Uh, Joseph, just for a couple minutes, tell us, uh, how are we all Jacob? What, what does that mean? Because I know we, we all can act like this. One of the first things that we see Jacob wrestle with is his identity. And until he could fully identify um, with God and, and quit fighting against his own will and God's will, that's when he was finally able to be unleashed and grow in that relationship. And I think so many of us in our culture, in our society today, we're listening to what the world says we should place our identity in. They're saying you should place your identity in your career, in your job, in your sport, in all these things. And what happens is, just like Jacob, Jacob put on Esau's clothes to get the blessing. And what we do is we put on the clothes of the things that we think the world will do to accept us. Because that's what we all want at the end of the day, right, is to be accepted. But what happens is when we find our identity in those things, there's going to come a day when we're going to get old, and whether it's the sport you play or the career you have, it's going to be gone. And if you place your identity in earthly and temporal things, it will leave you empty in the end. And parents, we see this so much with kids now because they've got sports and school and dance and this and band and all these things. And what they're being told is, hey, these are the things that dictate your time. You see, what you prioritize and what you find your identity in is the thing you'll give your time to. And if we're not careful, our perspectives can get off, and we start giving so much of our time to all these things that the faith gets on the back burner, and our identity in our mind gets flipped. So how do we put our identity in Christ every day? I think back to what Paul says. He says, hey, this is an everyday process. You literally have to take off your old self, 
like Jacob did, you got to put on your new self. You've got to die daily. And it starts with getting in God's Word, walking with God hand in hand. Because you know, we're walking with the Spirit. You're constantly identifying, not with what the world says you should be, but who God says you should be. And I think that's how we begin to find our identity in Christ. And you know, Jacob, he continued to wrestle. But what are some of the things that, that we wrestle with? So we can all wrestle with God. And, and this is all of us, every single person in this room. I, uh, I read this Barna study. This was a, a long time ago. It was kind of fascinating. Uh, it was talking about things that pastors deal with uh, that they don't do very well. And, and the top two or three things really kind of stuck out to me. The first one, obviously, is we pastors do a very good job of allotting time with our family properly as we should. But the, the second one really kind of struck out, stuck out to me because it kind of hit close to home. Uh, we don't do a very good job of forgiving. We, uh, we tend to, to build up our frustrations, build up our emotions, and we don't do a very good job of, of letting those things out. So I would like for all of us in the room to understand that, that we're not immune to that. We, we see that uh, as well. We all live in a world where there are the family members that drive us crazy, that, that cause us problems. We all live in a problem, or we all live in a world where there are co-workers who, uh, who look down on us, who cause us problems, who, uh, who are involved in situations. We all have neighbors that sometimes drive us crazy. And as I look around the room, I realize I have co-workers, family members, and neighbors physically in the room right now. Um, and, uh, or maybe, I don't know. No, seriously, all, that's, that's true. We're our brothers, the, the kids at school, there's always going to be that person that's, that's going to be that bully. We all deal with that. So the point is, we've all got to realize that's just the way it is. And we've got to let go and let God. Because at the end of the day, it matters that we have a good name. Joseph, why is that important to have a good name? One of the things that we talked about, Jacob received his name. That was a defining moment for his life. Because essentially, he was unleashed onto his new path and his new calling. And one of the words that we talked about over the past few weeks was the word submit. You see, when you submit, you're not just Letting go and say, okay, God, I give up. I'm not going to pull my own will. I'm going I'm to let go of whatever you want. God says, no. He says, I don't want you just to give up. I want you to pull into my will. So when you step into your calling, you're not just submitting up your desires, but you're submitting to the fact that, God, I'm your vessel now. God, send me where you will have me go. So for some of you today, that new name, that next calling, God has a calling on your life. And he's challenging and asking you to step into a situation. I don't know what that is for you. Maybe some of you, it's being a light in your family. Say, Joseph, I'm, me and my wife are the only Christians, and the rest of my family doesn't know God. Maybe God is calling you to share his love and to share his truth with him. Maybe you say, Joseph, I just work a, you know, a night shift, and I'm, everybody's sleeping, and I'm awake. Maybe God is calling you to be a light in your workplace. Maybe he's calling you to be a light in your family. And so each of us that call ourselves Christians, God is constantly calling us into something. And with our new name comes boldness and confidence because he has equipped us with all we need to step into our new name and our new self. And part of that is, like we talked about this morning, forgiving. And we can't walk with forgiveness. So tell us what... Really, why is that so tough for us? What does that look like in life? You know, the, the funny thing about what's next is, and this is true for Jacob in this situation, but, but it's true for us as well. Life's a roller coaster. You have those great moments where life is everything you, you want it to be, and then as soon as that happens, you never know what's around the corner, and then you're dealing with situations that, that can go south. 
For Jacob, this is absolutely the same thing. I wish all of you, when you get home in the next day or two or three, Genesis chapter 33, I wish you would really dig into this because there's a lot more to the story. In fact, even though Jacob's on a high now and things are wonderful, things kind of go south again. Uh, Jacob literally has a, a daughter who is uh, sexually assaulted. Uh, later, his wife dies. So he's, he's having some real problems. So as a result, I would hope that he's learned the lessons that he's gained through this situation. I know for pastors, a lot of times when we're writing sermons, and, and for me, especially with this one, uh, you, you find that sometimes you're writing the sermons to yourself and, or, or, or more. You, you finish the sermon and you realize a day, a week, or a month later that that thing that God was stirring in your heart, it wasn't just for the con congregation. It for, was for you as well. So with that foundation of peace, with that foundation of strength, with that foundation of, of following Jesus' example, you're better prepared for whatever crazy is coming next in your life. But at the bottom line, uh, there's real practical applications we need to we all need to dig into. Joseph, tell, tell us what we all need to do next. Maybe for some of you today, the reconciliation can't begin with others until you reconcile with God. Maybe somebody in the room say, man, if I'm just being honest, me and God have never really come to terms. In a room this size, I know many times in life we go back and forth, am I truly a follower? But maybe some of you, the first step that you need to take today is say, God, would you forgive me? God, I've been running just like Jacob. I've been running long enough and I'm tired of running. And would you invite God into your life? Because John 3.16 says that whoever believes shall be saved. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And for some of you today, God is asking and inviting you to enter into a relationship with Him. Maybe for some of you today, you've been carrying bitterness and unforgiveness far too long. Maybe there's a person in your cell phone that when you leave here, the first thing you need to do is make a phone call and say, I forgive you. Maybe for some of you today, that person is sitting about four pews in front of you. And if that's you, friend, I challenge you, please, please don't walk in the flesh any longer. Go to that person and say, hey, brother, sister, you may not know this, but you hurt me. And I forgive you. I don't care about it anymore. I just want you to know and I want to bring reconciliation to the relationship. Maybe some of you are on the flip side and you did something way back when or last week and you're like, you know what? I never made it right. And I can't imagine what would happen if I never got the chance. And so maybe today you need to take the brave step of going up to a person, grabbing them, maybe in a few minutes, maybe after church and saying, hey man, I was wrong. Will you forgive me? Because there's power in humility. And would we allow God to heal our relationships. But like Jacob, somebody's got to be the adult in the room. Take the first step. So I don't know what it is with you today. Maybe it's a father or a mother or a friend or a co-worker. But God, 